0: Hey, I'm Will, and this is Benj.
1: We're both church planners trying to work out how to form churches in this post-pandemic world. I lead a church that's trying to grow big.
0: And I lead a church that's trying to grow small. But we share an interest in the beautiful and diverse future of the church in Australia. What will
1: it look like? How will it adapt and innovate and thrive?
0: If you're asking these questions too, then join us as we host a range of conversations with diverse thinkers and practitioners
1: around what comes next. Welcome to the Forming Church Podcast, brought to you by Gen 1K and our vision to see a thousand healthy churches in a generation.
0: This episode is brought to you by Baptist Care, a leading non-profit Christian organization serving the aged and people
1: living with disadvantage for over 75 years. Did you know that as well as providing residential aged care, Baptist Care's Hope Street sites create safe spaces for disadvantaged and distressed individuals facing issues such as domestic violence, homelessness, mental health, or addiction issues.
0: If you want to make a difference in your community, then volunteering with Baptist Care is a great way to do that. You can join the team as a pastoral care volunteer,
1: or help serve at a Hope Street site or visit residents in aged care homes. On Forming Church, we're always talking about ways that church can connect with the neighborhood. And volunteering with Baptist Care is a fantastic way to do that.
0: To get involved or find out more, visit baptistcare.org.au. Forming Church listeners, welcome to the final episode of season two.
1: Final one. It's a final countdown and, and we chose to end on such a bright, happy note. <laughs> I don't know how this you happened, could but.
0: you could interpret it. We're going to speak today about burnout. You could interpret it that we just we're at the end. We we cannot handle doing another episode.
1: We flamed out, people. <laughs> Send help. Um, no, we haven't. We just it just sort of happened. Just felt. The it chips just fell this way.
0: What actually happened was that we were going to do a two for one in the last episode. We were going it to worked. do collaboration and difference and burnout as one episode, and then we just like it's too much.
1: So, yeah, well, do do you know what happened? We put we put it out to our Facebook community. What what episodes do you want us to discuss? And there were two that came in at the same it was it was a tie. That's right. Between last week's episode and this week's episode. So we had to do extra work.
0: Yeah. Basically, the group yeah. the group burnt us out. They demanded yeah. more of us than yeah. we could handle. It's
1: their fault. It's not my fault.
0: No. Let's yeah. Let's bl- blame is a good it's a good time. So let's always just always a there great for a while. place to
1: start. Blame. Yeah.
0: Would you say, Ben, just uh just at the beginning of this, just personally, have you ever experienced burnout?
1: Um uh on a light scale, I think. Not not in a full full on full on way. I, I remember there was a time around two years into when I was um a pastor, a youth pastor and that's like the infamous wall like the 18 month 2 year mark for youth pastors is like turnover central mm-hmm. um and i really felt that like it just sort of sort of came crashing down on me um, and it was a it was a bunch of stuff at at once um i had inherited a really good strong healthy youth ministry um and we <laughs> we we grew we grew from like I don't know, 80, 90 people to like 180 people and it was insane and it was wild. And then we slowly grew over two years to about like 30 or 40 people and like all our leaders left at once and like, um, you know, yeah, Mel and I, we went on holidays and we just came back and it was like.
0: <laughs> everyone else did too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> everyone else, had, everyone had gone. We holidays, like yeah. <laughs>
0: retirement.
1: <laughs> um, And wow. Uh, there was a bunch of stuff happening just personally for me as well. Um, and that, that really was kind of a low, kind of depressive, burnoutish state for me and i'm I'm so um, grateful to have gotten through that. and that that was really you know the moment that pushed me into spiritual practice and working out how to feed my soul. and I'm so lucky that I was in a healthy church and had good leadership and good um, good mentors and good pastors. and so. Uh, yeah, I think I think I have um, probably not to the same extent that a lot of people have, um, and hopefully, hopefully, I won't. But I, I definitely feel like I've walked through, you know, the dark valley a little bit. What about you?
0: Yeah, probably similar. It it sort of feels like a word that I'm a little hesitant to use because I know that people have burnout experiences where it's legitimately like they just cannot do anything. Totally. I've heard people talk about that in terms of their physical. Body kind of just gets to a spot where it's just like, nah, I'm done. Um, obviously, you can get to a point where your your mental and emotional health is so depleted that what once seemed very meaningful almost seems meaningless. I haven't been there and I don't want to like kind of minimize the experiences of people who have been there by using the word burnout too lightly. But definitely, I think if if we view it as a spectrum, it almost feels like every person who has led in church or perhaps in any kind of, I don't know, uh, management or position of people and responsibility, it just seems like it's like a cultural, like you will experience some of the spectrum of burnout because you will be, you will learn the hard way. It seems like we we don't start, we, we like push our limits to their capacity and, and see how far we can ride that before we learn and make adjustments, maybe like what you were saying. So yeah, I've definitely... At various iterations of that that learning.
1: Yeah, it seems like an interesting thing, doesn't it? Because a lot of a lot of the um, some really healthy, you know, adjusted, differentiated leaders that I respect, older leaders, you know, often have the story of of burning out, and I wonder if there is something to that that like the the coming to the end of ourselves is actually, you know, a bit of a death and resurrection moment, Mm. and you know, that's not a it's not a pleasant idea to me, but um, it just seems to be a common theme. I wonder if there is something mm. something to that.
0: I remember somebody, I've heard people say, don't don't waste a good conflict in conflict resolution sort of or conflict management training. And we could say the same thing here. Like don't waste. If, if you are in a position of burnout, um, maybe that is the time to reinvent and to actually... Um, see the invitation to do things in a new way. Although, depending on how burnt out you are, you probably just think, oh, that sounds like more work stuff that. Yeah, totally. But um, we're going to tra- talk about it. And the questions that came through on Facebook were around, um, you know, probably, uh, I probably interpreted it more on the volunteer level throughout the organization, not just the leader, but how do churches um, engage people in ministry, in volunteering, in a range of roles, et cetera, without um, creating cycles of unsustainable, um, you know, total exhaustion and endless activity that can lead to not just um, burnout in terms of the person not being able to do the role, but it can often lead to also people then that can be a contributing factor to people becoming post-church or de-church because they just feel like the church just wasted, like just used them and left them as a, as a husk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think that name is another, another tension that probably you and you and I both hold to the, the um, the hope that the church would be effective and significant and, and beautiful in this neighborhood and, um, you know, actually have a sense of vision and movement to it. And, and that requires contribution and energy and, and sacrifice. And we both have a, a really strong um view and value of um living an alternate lifestyle to the business and the rat race and just the endless things that you have to do that actually um you know I think Rich Falota says that um you know the the our world does violence to our souls. Mm. And as as leaders as spiritual people as people following the way of jesus we need to we need to walk at the pace of Jesus and find beauty and rhythm and rest um I think pace, I,
0: pace is going to be a key word here and, yes. and I think that that'll come up again throughout the conversation but it, it makes me think about if if we want both of those things if we want to have meaningful deep impact in a place and we want to go at a sustainable soul caring um sort of rate, then um we need to readjust our expectations around how long it takes for that impact to take place. Cause if you want to do it in two years, it's gonna it's gonna mess up your ability to actually go at a at a like tending the soul pace. That that's just the reality of it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I is it Ed Friedman that says that the um the definition of cancer is something that grows too quick. <laughs> mm. Um, and maybe that's, you know, that's, there's a lot of that happening in our world and in our churches as well, to be honest, like and it's, a, and it's a, it's a tendency, you know, for it, like we, we, they're the, they're the hero stories of kind of the entrepreneurial world now is like, if you, if, you know, the tech company didn't blow up in, in the first year, then, you know, it's a fail, mm. um, so it's interesting the sort of the the, the folklore and the, the, the tales and the myths that we tell in our culture around like the quick growth. Mm. Um, I think I think that has to has to sort of play into this whole thing that we kind of buy into in, in the church as well right. And, and we mm. we made success stories of churches that have just exploded, right? And yeah. it's like, man, they're doing something right. Yeah um, yeah, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, oh man, the narratives like it just makes me think your church could grow. Rapidly, and you could tell the story of how that is uh, a move of the spirit, and how we've got to get on board with it, and how God is in that. Or you could also look at the narrative as, "Oh, wow, this is just the same hustle culture that we see everywhere else. This is the same, you know, um, we got the right algorithm, we got enough likes, we got." So it's sort of like, how do we reframe the narratives? And it could be either. I'm not saying that it's always one or the other. Um, We're going to get into the Facebook comments Uh, as we've said in. You know, previous episodes, we're not um, we're not experts, but we are bringing our lived experience, and we are hoping to spark continued conversation beyond us. And as this is the last episode of the season as well, we do hope that you'll continue to fill the gap that our conversations may have had in your life by continuing them with others. But before we jump into the comments, I did want to just paint um, a little bit of a personal picture because I bring to this topic. Um, my situation, like I'm sure you do, and I feel like I sit in this interesting place where within Meeting Ground, our our church community, um, you know, we did it. We just did a survey, and um, at, at least fifty percent of people in Meeting Ground um, have identified essentially that they wouldn't be in a church at this point in time if it wasn't for um, this particular church and and the approach and kind of space that it's created. So lots of people that would be de or that were kind of post-church or, or whatever um, and there really is a sense for many people um, and I think validly and in, in a lot of cases of going I have that story of I was just on the roster for years and I was going to the place three times a week four times a week doing all the things showing up part of you know the cultural system and now they're like I don't ever want to be on a roster again. I don't ever want to be part of that kind of machine again. And yet there's this new tension and sensitivity where I'm like, all right, if we want to create a culture that doesn't just rely on a single leader, and there's lots of reasons there's, there's I don't want to burn out, but I also don't want my voice to be the only voice. I want there to be a genuine shared ecclesiology. How do you take people that have already tasted the burnout and reengage in a way that is sensitive to maybe the wound that they've experienced from that in the past. So that's where I come to this episode from. I'm very curious to find out how could we maybe paint a fresh vision for what healthy engagement looks like.
1: That's a good question.
0: <laughs> Do you know the answer off the top of I don't know the, I don't
1: know the answer. I, I I think my hunch is that there isn't an answer mm. in a you know, in a blanket way my hunch is that it's, it's about your own soul and your own journey. Um, Yeah. I I think it's, it's a tough one. You know, um, John Mark Markoma has this great quote that says burnout comes from high responsibility. So like you're on the roster three times a week or whatever it is, high responsibility, low control and low reward. Um, I think which is, which is just a helpful way to frame that. And I wonder I wonder if you talked to those people that had felt burnout from just being on the roster week after week, whether that was a contributing factor. They felt like they had a fair bit of res- responsibility, not much control, not much like creative control around like what's going on and, and obviously not much reward. Do you think is your kind of hunch that that that's what would be the case?
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good observation. That, you know, it's it's amazing how much can do when you're feeling you're getting the positive feedback and when you're part of systems that um, actually you're you're not only giving out energy, but you're receiving it back. So, yeah, yeah for sure. High responsibility with low low reward. And I, I think me and you have talked about this previously. Um, that's the situation for so many pastors right now as they try and lead churches through online mediums where they're not getting the same physical and immediate positive feedback that they might have from from a gathering in person? Were you telling me that there's like some high, super high number of...
1: Yeah, well, that, that that was the context of that quote that, um, at least in the US, and I and I, I wonder if it would be the same here, um, but it was a, it was a high, I don't know the exact number anymore, but it's 70% or something of pastors in the last 18 months have considered quitting. Um, and sort of that's the context of that quote that that John Mark Said that um, generally for a pastor, like the you've got high responsibility, low control because you realise you can't control people, you can't control, you can't force people to follow the way of Jesus. Um, but you do have high reward because you see lives change and people's you know depth in their relationship with God go deeper and people find community and life. Um, but in in lockdown and and sort of the division of our time, that that reward is not there. You don't Mm. see that you don't, you don't kind of pick up the intuition of, of how people are going and um, you kind of more than ever, we see people on different sides of, of issues. Um, Mm. And so that, that is just a a recipe, a recipe for burnout.
0: So we could say that if, uh, whilst we're not going to come up with a clean solution, if you're taking notes on how you can do this better, um, if anybody's engaged in a role, whether it's voluntary or paid have you thought about where they're going to get that positive sense of, of feedback, encouragement, sort of reward? Um, and if that was previously experienced in a certain way that has been taken away, how do you make sure that you, you you know, adjust so that that is in the mix? I think that's mm-hmm. that's like a really good early learning in this conversation. People need the spaces where they receive um, the encouragement, and and that might that might be for some people, encouragement through words of affirmation. For some people, it might be mean being celebrated that you actually do something, you know, this gift maybe, or or a meal, or, or whatever it is, or the opportunity to debrief with a group and tell the stories of the, of the good things that have happened during their serving. Yeah, that you got to think about how is the energy being replenished, and we've mm-hmm. you could talk about that on the individual level. You know, how is your you, you taking care of the replenishment of your energy, but also if you've got somebody in a system or in an organization, how is the organization replenishing the energy? And all of this yeah. kind of ties in with what Katie Watson wrote, actually. She said, my understanding of the research on burnout is that it is rarely about sheer volume of work, tasks or time, and more often about emotional exhaustion and a sense of futility. And that hmm. futility comes when you feel like what you're doing, like who knows if it's doing anything. Who knows if it's actually making a difference or having an impact. You feel like you're on a hamster wheel. So mm. I think that's a that's a good observation. I don't know about the research side of things, but that statement sounds quite insightful to me.
1: Yeah, totally. And, and it makes me think that really um, the issue is not as much an external one, but an internal one. If, it, if it's around emotional exhaustion and, and your emotional health and your sense of futility, which is like your sense of purpose, that what I'm doing actually matters, um, then maybe part of the solution is about helping people with their internal worlds mm. more, than, more than the role they're feeling. Um, Keith Farmer says that leadership is just mature discipleship and um, and i think if we are if we are neglecting you know people's interior worlds then that's that's a, a recipe for burnout and mm. i mean that that's hard it's easy to say that um but that's the thing is with being a pastor or a leader is like, you don't have control of people's internal worlds. That's mm. a part of the low control thing. Um, and you can try and create an environments. So you've got a fair mm. bit of responsibility there. Um, but ultimately it actually has to come down to the person. The person has to want to do that journey. I think um, that
0: there's sort of a, there's a catch 22 here because I think that, you know, there could be like almost a, like a, a cop out response would be, well, people just need to do the work internally. So we push the responsibility back onto them and there's some truth in that. It's their responsibility to take care of their own soul and their own boundaries for sure. But we know how much environment and culture influences the behavior of individuals. And so if we're creating an environment and a culture that is not actually nurturing that, then we can't just fully push it back onto that individual responsibility. It's that, yeah, and you know, this is obviously applies to so many realms, but we got to make changes in the system we got to make changes in the culture as well as you know recognizing the role that individual responsibility plays in
1: it yeah angus says this which is kind of on the same the same line he said i've heard it said that the church won't say no for you when it comes to serving how can we recognize i guess as the church um, that the leaders around that the leaders around us have too much either emotional or in volume on their plate how can we invite other people in this space me initial thoughts around that like is is it the role of the church to say no for people uh, like like should, should we put boundaries in for people or is that like overstepping the yeah
0: mark? i mean it's it's interesting isn't it because you want to you want to really respect people's ability to say their own yes or no so in some ways it's disrespectful to not ask somebody because you're making up your mind for them on the other hand if you know that somebody is dangerously busy and they're not taking care of their soul, like if you somehow can see the warning signs of that and yet you ask them to do something that's only going to add to their, their pressure and you know that they're probably going to say yes, you know, I do think that maybe you should take that into consideration and it's sort of like you know, it's the warning signs thing, like how good can you get and I think this is kind of what Angus is getting at, how can you recognize, same as if we're having a mental health challenge there are warning signs we withdraw or we change the way we're eating or we you know there's multiple kind of warning signs that we have with mental health maybe we need like some church education around what are the warning signs that somebody is too busy um that somebody is probably operating at a level that is that is beyond their healthy capacity i don't know but i think that one thing that that comes to mind with what Angus has said and it it feeds back into the idea of having enough reward in the mix, is just that so much of this comes down to rhythm and often when it comes to serving, it can feel like an endless cycle of just you know week after week after week. Now, I'm sure a lot of people do have these rhythms in the mix, but it's just a good question to ask. Do you have rhythms where people get time off in that ministry or do you have rhythms where there is reflection and review time? Where you actually create a space where people can get outside of the week to week thing and say, "Hey, here's what I'm noticing, or here's how we could do this better, or here's how we could do less but more effectively." So I reckon, yeah, part of the the the, the answer that comes to my mind is around building in um, the ebb and flow, you know, the Sabbath, the Sabbath in the ministry and the work in the ministry type thing. What about okay. what about you? What do you reckon around how? Um, yeah, this tension of the church not saying no for people but recognising when people have too much on their plate.
1: Yeah, I've I've tried to do this well. I've, I've always tried to give people the option of the no and to respect people's no. And so when I ask someone to do something, I always put in there, no worries if, if you can't, or you're not up to it. Mm. And then w- when people actually do say, you know, I try to do this as much as I can is to say, thank you. Thank you for saying no. Yeah. Or, or like, you um you know, praise, praise the no and say like, that's really great that you could say no. um And that that's kind of a culture thing.
0: Um, I love that.
1: The the other thing that I've tried to do, I particularly do this better in youth ministry and I feel like I do in our church, but every year our youth leaders, I would go like when it came up to a new year, like, would you be, are you up for serving for another year? And so it felt like a decision again. Um, And we probably lost leaders because of that, because like they had an out. Mm. Um, But I think better, better, it actually made the team better because it's the people that were there have decided to be there again.
0: And I think building
1: in that, that decision, that control, that sense of, um, autonomy for the person that actually i'm deciding to be here Mm. i reckon that's a huge thing like when when it just becomes an endless thing like a never-ending thing that you sort of don't know Mm. the way out and if you get a way out it might feel a bit awkward like it it's going to be an awkward conversation or something um and so just healthy healthy off-ramps i reckon is good
0: there's a great rob bell quote where he talks about um if if you leave it too long what would have been a graduation can become a divorce and I think that not giving people the opportunity to graduate when their season has finished yeah. is what leads to a messy split down, you know, further down the track.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I like that. Mm. I like that. Yeah, I think I think I think it is really important to give people the decision. I, I guess I guess where my mind goes with that is that it is just a lot more work and a lot messier, and I think that's why it's easy not to do it because you could just like, you know. If you've got a roster to fill and you find someone that would say yes, then great, like lock it in and like that's done. Um, and to do the work of like checking in again and and doing the journey with people actually requires work requires pastoring. Um, and and uh, sometimes we just don't. Sometimes I just don't want to do that, you know. Like, and I mm. think it's easy. It's just easier not to. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's part of the reason why it doesn't happen. Um, not because people. Not because leaders are like sort of scheming to to lock people into a roster position for the rest of their life,
0: Mm.
1: Um, but because it's easier. Totally. This episode is brought to you by Morling College. As well as their great theological study
0: options, Morling run free courses, open nights and public events on topics like
1: transforming vocation, faith in action, bioethics and more. And if you're a church planter, they even run a church planting course called Sent. They have a range of scholarships, campuses in Perth and Sydney, as well as online study options.
0: You can find out more at morling.edu.au. I reckon everything we've said so far, like it's it's kind of just good practical wisdom stuff. But um, you know the pace, the rhythms the inbuilt, um, you know, feedback and opportunities for reflection, all huge. But like you just said, that does require more work. And it makes me think about that whole, like the planning fallacy, where we think that something's going to take us an hour, but we've actually not taken in all the hidden cost that that thing might actually take two hours. And so maybe again, it's like, just this calls for a bit of an audit on what are the realistic expectations of what your church can do. Every church wants to like save the world. Every church wants to transform the neighborhood or the city, which are valiant things. But maybe we need to like actually go, okay, we could in a realistic and healthy way make an impact in maybe like half of the space that we are hoping to. But if we do that, then over, the, over time, we do that sustainably, and it, it you know that circle of influence and circle of concern stuff, the circle of influence grows when you spend time there. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm hearing this as just like a healthy reevaluate how ambitious your current short-term kind of goals are
1: as an organization. Totally, totally. and I think I think that in order to do that, it just takes such health and differentiation from the leader. Because what are you, what are you giving up? You're giving up opportunity. You're giving up how successful your church looks. You're giving up how helpful you feel. Mm. Like if, if, if your church is doing less, like less things, you're feeling less effective. And so it's, it's an ego thing. Um, you're giving up, you know, you might have to have some hard conversations with the people that really want that thing to happen, that, that ministry, that group, that course, whatever it is. Um, and so it, I think, all of those things come at a cost, to them, which is which is why it's hard, right? Um, but it's it's the long game, not the short game,
0: for sure, um, for sure. And that's
1: that's the way of Jesus. I and suppose. it's about
0: it's about um, we we want to have that external neighborhood impact, but we want to grow, we want to grow people. That's the whole like that's the church is successful when the church is growing, healthy well-formed disciples. Hmm. So, um, it, uh, you know, it's a good question maybe to ask, does serving or volunteering in our context grow people into deeper discipleship or does it compete in a way with, with what that looks like? Um, again, it's not going to be a clear, clean answer to that, but you might be able to just get a bit of a sense of maybe where some things need to be adjusted to ensure because, because, obviously we know that when it is done in an integrated way, volunteering is amazing for people. Volunteering is uh, like being, being on mission is where a lot of real discipleship happens. You don't just figure out discipleship, you know, in, in your, in your room or in the monastery, so to speak. Um, And it's that I love Rich Lotus talks about like, we're called to be um, contemplative activists or active contemplatives. And so yeah. To build that into the ministries, even within the team, we are active and contemplative as well as within the individual lives.
1: Yeah. yeah, totally. Rich talks about that, that tension between, um, mission and monastery, I think in that same chapter, which is so cool. Like just that, that uh, this attention have been naming like of like doing something great, partnering with God in the world and partnering with God in my own life, in my own world and, yeah. and going deeper. Um, he has this yeah.
0: one, oh, the the standout, I mean, everyone should go read that book, The Deeply Formed Life, but he has this sentence in that chapter, which I've been thinking about heaps, and we could just blanket this whole conversation in this sentence, but he says, the quality of our presence is the mission.
1: Hmm.
0: Like the quality of our presence as a person hmm. is the mission. So again, are our serving opportunities and, and this, this will, might be – sometimes it's going to be to do with the culture and the team and sometimes it's going to be to do with the individual. But when the person is leading worship, are they can – you, can you sense that on the whole they're able to do that from a place of presence rather than performance? Yeah. you can apply that yeah, to really all kind good. of roles.
1: It's really good. Ruth Haley Barton has some great stuff on that, that like you're in leadership or in serving, you bring who you are. Mm. Uh, not what you do. It's kind of like that famous thing. Like, you know, when someone asked, I, I can't remember the story, but um, I think a bunch of people said it, but like, you know, how long did that talk take you to write? And they'll say 30 years or 40 years because you bring all of who you are, your whole experience, your whole experience. Um, and, and I think that is, that is just such a helpful way to think about it because, you know, when you are on a right, if you're, if you're, putting cars in a car park or, you know, welcoming people or serving in kids ministry or whatever it is. Um, you're not just fulfilling a role. You like, you're bringing who you are. You can come and you can tick off all the boxes of what you do, but like actually do damage to, to there by your presence, by your anger or by your shortness or by, mm. you know, whatever you're doing or you can bring beauty and creativity because if it's flowing out of who you are. Um, I just think that's that's so helpful. She, she has this um, great quote that, you know, a starving shepherd will, st- will soon start to consume the sheep. Mm. And it's like that, you know, whatever's going on internally actually comes out. Yeah. And um, you know we need to, as leaders and as people leading others, we need to help people form their internal worlds. I think that has to be like su- just such a high priority for us. Mm. Um, and again, it's hard because you can't control it and you can't um, legislate it. You can't force it. You know, as much as as much as I'd want to be able to force people to have Sabbath, or but you um, can you sp- can model spend- it. And, you can model it, and yeah, that's I think right.
0: that that's that's a huge thing, right? Is it normative in your church to see the pastor have days off? Is yeah. it is it normative in your context to see the leaders say no or not show up to everything? Because if if what is modeled is that the the pastor or the team leader is there day in day out every every week every year, wearing it as a badge of honor. I've got perfect attendance, or I'm I'm always, you know, first here, last to leave. Again, that can kind of like you can you can take that as an ego thing, but it's also like, well, what, what, why would you expect anybody to be any different mm-hmm. if if you can't take the day off, or if you can't actually step away, or if you can't have healthy ebb and flow, then why would you expect any different? So. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a tough, it's that that's confronting for me and I'm sure you and many of us listening who struggle to struggle to be the first ones to put in place what we want of others. But yeah, it's a good, it's it's, good check. It's,
1: it's funny cause you know, I've heard that argument used the other way, you know, like if to, to say that, you know, if you're not setting the tone for your organization of like commitment and investment, then other people won't like it's that same argument. It's just funny to be to to kind of tip that on its head and say like if you're if you're always the first one there Mm -hmm. and the last one to leave like you're actually you can be doing damage to your organization. So um, yeah, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, and it's all it's all balance. We've said for many years, me and you, life is just just bloody balance, bloody balance. But yeah, I mean, what are you modeling? It's huge, And, and Angus has some good stuff there too around. Our team's mental health and well-being, and and I think that um, the same sort of thing. If it, you know, we as we role model healthy mental health behaviors, um, we give permission for others to do the same. As we talk about it, if we initiate the conversation around, look, I just know that um, I'm currently operating uh, in ways that aren't actually taking care of my mental health, and I am, I'm noticing that I'm a bit less regulated, that I'm a I'm probably saying yes to more things because I'm anxious. Um, if we start that conversation, then that's that's a really good place to just just own responsibility. So, and if you're listening to Forming Church podcast, you are someone who are, I'd say has has the ability to shift the culture. Okay. You know, as you shift your decisions, you are link you are you're part of a system. I, I um don't know if I shared this here, but or if I've told you, but I I was talking to um. Yeah, Damon Gammo, the, the, um, you know, that sugar film 2040 guy. And he, we were talking about environmental change and I was asking him because all of his work is around like how do we create large-scale social change? Um, but often that comes down to like individuals changing their actions. And he was saying that it's like it's not so much about you riding your bike to work and cutting out the carbon emissions from that action. It's that if you do that and you talk about it, other people in your relational network might consider doing the same. So when you put solar panels on your roof, the statistics say that your neighbours become way, way, way more likely to put solar panels on their roof. So as much as it is about your actions, it's about the fact that you're a relational creature and your actions spread through your network. I think it's exactly the same thing here. You should take care of your mental health and, and exercise mental health behaviors that are positive for you. But if you do that and you do it in a way that's public and connected with your relationships, it spreads through your network.
1: Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. I, and, and I mean, that, that goes both ways again, right? The health and the unhealth. Totally. Um, yeah, it's important. If you put I a don't... nuclear power
0: plant on your roof, your neighbors are just as likely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I like Simon, Simon's question here. Um says so pretty much every church leadership training I've ever done advocates for weekly consistency of church programs. Uh, it's completely understandable. No, it's on every week. So it's easy to get involved in your weekly calendar. So often this push for consistency uh, in weekly programs or church services comes at the cost of higher leadership turnover and burnout. Do our church services and ministry programs have to be the same every week to be consistent? Or are there different ways of approaching this? I think you've thought about this a fair bit, Will.
0: Yeah, I think uh, just because something's always been done a certain way doesn't mean that it has to be. Um, there are different ways to think about this. You know, just just in our in our context, um, we are trying to to do the Sunday thing fortnightly to create the space on the other fortnight for some of the other things that if we did them right now, they'd be, they'd, they'd be making it a two things a week kind of, you know? Um, so I think honestly ask questions like that. Um, does, does the Sunday thing need to be weekly in the form that it is? Could there be um, that same sort of sense of giving people uh, weekly consistent rhythms, but we maybe spread out a few of the things. Maybe you have a, a sermon and worship every second week. And then on the other week, you just have, um, you know, connection and, and tables and, and relationship or or whatever it is. So that's one thought I do like at Narara, you know, to give a shout out where we both came from. I know that Carolyn who, um, you know, was and is for a little while longer, the children's pastor there. um, She, had some great rhythms around people would do kids church, like one term on one term off and at, you know, one point in the past. And I thought that kind of was a really good system of doing it. Um, I think partly it's again about like, if you want to do something that is weekly, can you create, do you have enough engaged people to create a pool of people that can actually have that sustainable um, load? So, What I'm hearing in Simon's question is that there really is a value in regularity and consistency. I think that could equally apply to something that's fortnightly if it's consistent. It doesn't necessarily have to be consistent weekly as long as people know that there is some consistent rhythm that they can get their head around. Um, But I think once you've got that, you've then got to ask, can there be almost double the people to run the thing in a way that does create room for people to step in and step out and have each other's backs. You know, you look at like any world-class sports team, they have like the same number of players on the bench as they have on the field. So maybe our teams like just, maybe we should think about them like that. Like, do we have enough people to, to, to have a constant rotation of who's kind of on the field and who's waiting in the wings, but also resting up.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. I've, I've got a few conflicting thoughts around, around this. Uh, like in one way, I think um, consistency is easier. <laughs> uh, like in some ways, like that rhythm and consistency actually is, is better for an organization um, because it takes energy to do different things. And mm-hmm. like, I've felt this through COVID when we've like switched things, every time you do something new, like there's, you, you require momentum to get it off the ground. Um, and so I, I do think consistency and rhythm is important. I think that doesn't have to look like a weekly thing or, or a fortnightly thing or a month, you know, it doesn't, I don't think that really matters, but I think rhythm is important. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that like, just sort of concerns me with the church, um, kind of in our world at the moment is, you know, I, I reckon like at best, you know, kind of People are gonna be involved in maybe two things a week, right? Like at at, at very best, like uh, you know, in most churches, a, a Sunday gathering and and small groups or whatever it is, um, and and that's only decreasing. Like that's only going down less and less. Like attendance numbers and and consistency is is going down um, all across the West, um, and that really concerns me. Not because of the programs, but because you know, formation requires repetition. And if we are to be deeply formed in the ways of Jesus, like we need to be doing life together. We need to be like bumping shoulders with other followers of Jesus all the time. And I don't think that needs to look like programmatized things. And sometimes that actually takes away from that. Um, But there's almost like this push away from like, let's make things easier for people. When what we really need to do is like, sometimes lift the bar of what it looks like to be a committed follower of Jesus actually being formed deeply um and so I really wrestle with that and I think part of it is our is our model and our structure is that like you know you know the church is an organization or a service that people come to and you know receive goods goods and services rather than you know a family to belong to um but yeah there's like there's there's something in that that kind of really makes me worried, you know, mm-hmm. like for our own church and for the church across the West, um, that kind of we are lowering the bar of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and, you know, lowering the bar of what it means to be committed to a church family. Um at the cost of people actually being formed. Um, and it's because of the kind of burnout and like the busyness of the world and there's more stuff going on and, you know, kids' soccer and, you know, all, all, all sorts of stuff. Um, and so I'm not saying it's easy or I don't know the answer, but I just think it is a real problem that we need to face as a church.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's also that that might be as much about uh, helping to recalibrate how people look at their their whole of life, I think, is a big part of that. Because it wouldn't necessarily be providing the kind of formation that you're talking about if people simply went to the church building seven days a week. It's quite possible that people can be well integrated in their places of of work, social life, and yet have the close network of mutually discipling relationships that they are, you know, like across the week, whether it's through... WhatsApp or phone calls or Zoom or in-person catch-ups. They are actually doing that. And I think that's where we also need to rethink, particularly in in our, you know, um, our world that requires the, the digital opens up new opportunities, but as we've talked about, it reminds us of the importance of the analog and the importance of the physicality. I sort Body of think, balance. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what if being part of a team means that you go to somewhere once a fortnight, but that you're also part of a, um, a commitment to a simple prayer rhythm. Like I know you, Ben, have these like three times a day where you do fixed hour prayer and it's so simple and you put it out there and it's public and multiple people could all commit to that together and then you just discuss it, you know, for five minutes before you, you serve in your fortnightly or weekly serving opportunity. I just think we need to think about stuff like that. I mean, I love the idea that the Com- the book of common prayer, like the kind of the liturgy, liturgy is supposed to be a daily collective practice. And unless you're living in a monastery, it's very hard to pray with the same group of people um, three times a day. But maybe in your scatterings, you could start to have just two or three people. You you just you pull in your two or three three people, and you go. Hey, I'm just going to post in the messenger chat the the daily prayer that I'm copy pasting from somewhere else every day, and um, you'll just see it pop up every day. Just have notifications on just for that app. I mean, I'm just thinking out loud, but I just think we've got to like we got to we got to balance that sense of making things easier. But you're you're so right that repetition and and habit formation requires a certain level of saturation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I you yeah, solved and I, it. But. I,
1: I yeah, I th- and I think what we are seeing and will see over the coming years is the um, the consumer portion of the church. So if if you if you like you feel like you've got some, you know, the committed portion of like people that are, you know, not just committed to church but committed to Jesus in their own real deep way.
0: Mm.
1: You've got the consumer portion of the church that is sort of largely reliant on on the church as an organization to keep their faith alive or intact and then you've got the curious like the people that aren't you know sp- you know, aren't engaged in in kind of any religious practice but are interested in looking i i think that middle that middle portion is is going to disappear and you're going to be left with the committed and the curious and um and and our, our church models will look very different because they they're, they're largely based on the committed serving the consumer and the curious mm. um on a kind of a large scale but i just wonder if that's that's not the way things will be in five or ten years mm. um and i i just i just think that you know the church we've just got, got to get better at creating an alternate an alternate way you know a, a modern monastery in the midst of chaotic life there's this article yeah. that um I think it's from the New York times that was written about, um, you know, when a prominent celebrity pastor had an affair and it's just this kind of secular atheistic dude, um, journalist writing, writing an article on that. And he has this like brilliant line where he says, you know, the church, instead of, instead of me wanting to look like you, you've started to want to look like me. Um, and we've kind of lost that. We, you know, we wanted to be relevant and cool and show people that we're not weird. Um, but maybe, like, it's it, it's a different world. And I think we need to go the other way and show that we are weird and we do have a different way of living, yeah. a, a radically different way of living. And I think as people become more and more um, disenfranchised with kind of the progressive myth and the kind of, the kind of postmodern truth is under every rock like everywhere you look you know you find it within yourself and it's different to the person next to you and you know just like you know find everything that you need within yourself um that there is there is an alternate deep well of life and community that the church can offer mm. um but i just don't know that we're there right yet
0: yeah but uh, you know, I think a, a thing that's coming to the surface for me in this conversation is just, and it's probably comes up, up a lot. So I, I, you know, I think it's the spirit speaking to me. But, um, go slower and go deeper. Like, and and do not listen to this, dear listener, and think that this is about doing more and adding more into the mix. Um, even with what you're saying Ben some very valid concerns I don't think the answer to those is to add in more activity I think it's to go slower and go deeper Mm -hmm. and it's the difference between um, one day I hope to have a really beautiful and lush garden in the house that we bought a few months ago I just imagine a dream forward and I think how cool would it be to have all these different fruit trees and um, you know little plants around the place but I start that with like one small garden bed and a few little tomato plants or whatever. And I think, yeah, just all of us, all of us pastors with our egos, um, stop trying to do something huge Mm. and do something small and godly. Mm. And I think a little bit about our boy, Dale Stevenson, you know, the idea of do what you do, what you would do for the many, for a few, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, Yeah, the only way that you're gonna you're gonna have progress in the way that you want in all of this stuff is to what you're talking about, Ben. Like, have have that regular presence with, you know, just that handful that you you have the capacity and the access and the proximity to, and then um, you know it's basic discipleship stuff. Like they they then go on and do that with those that are that that layer out for them, and um, yeah, I think. You know, coming coming to the end of this episode, it's sort of just a, it's just a, a, a an invitation to return to the the simple, beautiful, deep, good way of Jesus. Mm. Doesn't make Very it good. easy, but it's good.
1: Yes, I have nothing else to add. It's a good place to to stop. Go slow.
0: Mm. All Go right, along. everyone. Well, hopefully we'll be back again in your ears at some point in the future. For now, go back and listen to all these episodes. Hey, I just want to say, if you if you actually find this podcast helpful, if there's thoughts here that provoke your your brain muscle, um, share it with somebody. You know, we've we've got a whole backlog of, of episodes with some amazing guests that we were punching way above our weight chatting to some of these people. Um, and so, yeah, if you think it's helpful, share it with a friend who who might you know enjoy this. Give it a rating. Give it a review. Check it on your socials.
1: Listen with your leaders. Discuss it. Share the ideas. Make it go longer than just, you know, 45 minutes. Like actually actually put it into practice and um, see where the ideas go. Share it with someone. Love you all. We will see you next season, hopefully. You.